morning, church. Thank you for your giving this morning. Uh, this is the day that the Lord has made, and we rejoice, and we are so glad in it. I am grateful, uh, particularly for just how the Lord speaks through each one of us in a unique way. Uh, listen to the worship team, and I know he's not speaking through me in that way because I can't do that singing thing. I listen to Joseph, and I hear, God, there's a unique way that you speak through him and will. And I would just challenge each of you this morning to think in what ways does he want to speak through you? What will God do through you? Because he's got something to say that all of us can be a conduit through whom he can say it. My name is Paul. I'm privileged to serve as pastor of this congregation. It's great to see every single one of you. Also great to have those of you live streaming this morning. Thank you for taking an hour of your time to spend with us. We, we appreciate that. Uh, to every single volunteer, we are grateful. Those who serve on one of our 10 uh, ministry teams, as well as one of our victory group leaders. Uh, we are who we are because of you. And our prayer is someday that attendance here on Sunday will be synonymous with serving on one of those teams and in a victory group. Because who we are in a people called to be reconciled to God and each other, it's going to take that and more uh, for God to, for us to partner well with God to do what he can do and only his power in the earth. Just last night, actually, we had a really fun time celebrating all of the volunteers, and we'll make it an annual uh, event. So I hope next January during the anniversary month that by that point, everybody will be on a team or in a victory group so that we can see all of you there to eat some good food because there is no meeting without eating, as Will said, and to fellowship. And for some who like to cut a good rug or hardwood, I think it was, you can do that. Two, we had some spoken word there. It was uh, just a phenomenal time of fellowship. And my commitment every year is to ensure that you don't do anything because you're always preparing and that you can just come and be honored for the selfless work that you do as unto the Lord. It was a great, great evening. Turn with me in your Bibles to the book of Romans chapter 8, verse 31. Romans chapter 8, verse 31. I'll say as you find that, that some volunteers can't help themselves. And I failed to mention it. Chris and Kara Kidd and Erica Taylor last night, uh, while I wanted them to just come and hang out, they texted and said, but we know you need some things carried. So thanks for being there and for, for serving, even on a night where I really did just want you to receive. Uh, I love the heart of God that is embodied by so many of you. This is, this is uh, just a blessing to be a part of our community. Romans 8, 31. As you find that or have found that, let's pray that God open our, opens our eyes as we read that. Help us, Lord, as we study your word. Open up our eyes, as Psalm 119 and 18 says, so that we can see what's here in your law for us. Holy Spirit, we ask you to speak. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Romans chapter 8, verse 31. If you see it on the screen or on your phone or hard copy Bible, Please read it with me. I'll be reading from the NIV, but by all means, whatever version you have, say it loud. What then shall we say in response to, those, to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? Now, because it's one verse and I messed up one word, let's read that again. <laughs> what then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? Thank you. The title of the message this morning is The Privilege of Power. The Privilege of Power. 
Merriam-Webster defines privilege as a right or immunity granted as a peculiar benefit, advantage, or favor. And I'll add for our context today that it's an unearned advantage. And power, Merriam-Webster defines as the ability to act or produce an effect. A few days ago, Taylor and I, my wife and I, if you've not met her, my amazing bride of 14 years, uh, were on our date night and we were listening to this speaker who was telling us about a survey that was conducted. And in this survey, women were asked, if there were no men on the streets in the evening, what would you do? And he said the number one answer was that they would go for a walk. And then he said, we flipped it. We, we asked the men the same question, but we sort of reversed it. We said, all right, men, if you could guarantee that there would be no woman out during the evening, what would you do? And he said, the answer was, shoot, I'm staying in the house. Ain't no woman out. <laughs> and his humorous yet very serious point was, there's a privilege associated with, in this case, males that we don't even realize we can go out and take a walk. That I get to vote now. Though that is a constitutional right, I'm also aware that it's a privilege in a sense that those who have gone before me did some things that now I get the benefit of going to the voting booth. Jimmy Lee Jackson, 26-year-old deacon in Marion, Alabama, in 1965, February of 1965, shot and killed by a state trooper because he was protecting his mom from the state trooper's nightstick because they were beating them during the nonviolent demonstrations. A month later, there was a group of folks pretty much in response to Jackson's death who marched from Selma to, I don't know if y'all be with me, Montgomery. It's okay, I just thought maybe we had some. Selma to Montgomery as a part of a broader voting rights movement. These individuals were met on the Edmund Pettus Bridge by a blockade of state troopers and law enforcement that has since been known now as Bloody Sunday. I had the opportunity in 2012 to walk across that bridge with Julian Bond and others at the time and the chills that went through my body as I thought about what now I can take advantage of because of the courage of those that came before me. For us locally, we have the privilege of, for example, our kids going to public schools together. And while we know there's some room for uh, equitable experiences for all of those children in that space, room for growth in that regard, that they can go to school together, I think about the Charlottesville 12, who in 1959 endured the unthinkable in integrating schools for the first time. We get to assemble together like this without fear of arrest. We didn't do anything to warrant that, but we get to. We all have privileges, we have rights, we have opportunities, we have benefits that had nothing to do with us but allow us to experience on some level victories, if you will. And yet the greatest privilege that we have, again, that we did not earn, is the power of God. The message version of Romans 8.31 says it this way. So what do you think? 
with God on our side like this, how can we lose? And the encouragement for each of us today is that we overcome with the privilege of his power. We overcome with the privilege of his power. From chapter 1 through 8, the Apostle Paul in the book of Romans is describing the human condition from God's perspective and sets forth, from, sets forth what God has done to forgive and restore human beings to right relationship with himself. And not only that, God then gives us a spirit to those who trust in his grace. Last week, we talked about how we live by faith that faith activates victory. Those who receive and embrace, we get then to steward the privilege of God's power, which is like none other. And there are a lot of verses, as I read through this chapter and ended up saying, we're going to focus on one, that many of us perhaps have memorized, maybe have heard, but whether we've heard for the first or the 100th time, there are a lot of verses here that could very well be a life verse. Like there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. That's good news. Because we can't save ourselves in and of ourselves. There's no law that's going to help us do that. Thank God then there's no condemnation. That by his grace we have access. Verse 18 says, I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. The best is yet to come. Verse 28 says, all things work together for good for those who, are, who love him and are called according to his purpose. Verse 37 says, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. And the one we're focusing on today certainly can be another life's verse. Again, verse 31 says, what then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? And one of my hopes just as we all grow and we take the next step of obedience, which includes our reading our Bibles every single day, is that when we do that, we're also asking questions of the text that we are reading. So as to increase understanding, increase essentially intimacy with our Heavenly Father. And when I read this text, particularly the first half, which says, what then shall we say in response to these things? My first question is, what are these things? And these things are discussed in the preceding verses of this chapter and, of course, some preceding chapters of this book of Romans, that there is, in fact, no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. That when we don't know the words to pray, the Holy Spirit will intercede on our behalf with wordless groans, that we are heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ, that all things do work together for good to those who love him and are called according to his purpose. The Apostle Paul is laying out a basic summary of the good news of the revelation of God's salvation and, and, and justification for sinners, which Paul has essentially been describing since about chapter 3 of the book of Romans. And having unpacked the mystery of God's love to us in Christ and the exceedingly great privileges that we enjoy by him, the Apostle Paul is then amazed, as we should be as well, and concludes by saying, what shall then we say to these things? The depths of Christ's love surpasses all knowledge, all understanding. What do you say? What use shall we make, in other words, of our privilege of power? One thing we can say with our lives, as we said last week, is that we do indeed live by faith. We believe, we declare with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and, and believe in our heart that God raised Jesus from the dead, activating the victory that is available to each of us 
activating the power of God to work in and through us because we overcome with the privilege of his power. And the good news is that that privilege, the unearned advantage, if you will, is available to each and every one of us. So Paul's question then in the second part of this verse is quite rhetorical. The implied answer that underlines the conviction that God is for us. The central assertion of the gospel, in fact, is the certainty that God is for us, a reality that became effective for the salvation of sinners when he sacrificed his son for all of us through the incarnation, him becoming human flesh, and certainly his death on the cross. But sometimes we can forget or we may be tempted to wonder whether or not God is for us. So I grew up in New York. Don't watch football a whole lot, but I do watch and I'm a fan of the New York Giants. And so just about every season, I feel like I'm tempted to wonder, God, are you really for me? (laughs) Every year. Jacob in the Bible was another one who I imagine was tempted to wonder, God, are you for me? Genesis 42, after feeling like or thinking really and convinced by his sons that Joseph was no more, then sends the other sons off to get food in Egypt. They come back now without Simeon and then say, oh, by the way, they want you to send Benjamin, to which he responded, everything is against me. I imagine Jacob, too, may have wondered, God, where are you? And sometimes that feeling of, of everything is against us will then tempt us to feel just like that. Lord, where are you? Where is this privilege of power that you speak of? Maybe a recent diagnosis might tempt you to wonder, where is God? Maybe your unexpected loss of a loved one might tempt you to say, God, where are you? Maybe the racial microaggressions that wait for you every single day at school or at work tempt you to say, God, really, where are you? Sexism that literally impacts your professional trajectory might tempt you to wonder, God, where are you? Are you really for us? You can't catch a break anywhere. Maybe you're retiring and ready for the good life, and at that point, financial chaos breaks out. God, are you really for me? I took 12 credits this semester, and somehow I chose the four hardest classes with the craziest professors. Are you really (laughs) for me? Where is this privilege of power? Where are you, God? And yet it's in moments just like these where we take the facts, and they are facts, and we bring them to the truth of the Word of God. The truth of the Word of God, where we can then align or line up the facts to see how does this align with the truth, capital T. We take the facts to John 16 and 33 that says in the latter part of the verse, in this world you will have trouble. It's not going to be easy, but take heart because I've overcome the world. You take the facts to 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 8 and 9, which says we are hard pressed on every side, but we are not crushed. We are perplexed, but we are not in despair. Yes, we might be persecuted, but we are not abandoned. We may be struck down, but we are never destroyed. We take the facts to the truth. Why? Because greater is he, 1 John 4 and 4 says, that is in us than he that is in the world. So if God be for us, who can be against us? 
We can't lose. How many know it's a fixed fight? We overcome with the privilege, that which we have done nothing to earn, but we get the privilege of stewarding his power. We overcome with the privilege of his power. And that ought to encourage every single person here in the room as we go through this journey called life, which no doubt has its ebbs and its flows. And while that is the main emphasis of the message this morning, I created a little bit of room because I couldn't just leave it there. I do pray alone that that alone encourages somebody. I think about the fact that we do get to drink from the same water fountains now, that we do send our kids together in the same schools, that we do vote in the same voting booths. But I think of all of that and and the opportunity to do that so that our kids and our kids' kids can walk into a high school down a hallway and not be able to tell which room is the AP or honors or standard room by the complexion of each classroom. I have that opportunity so that I think we get these opportunities so said kids and kids' kids can attend a university where they don't have to wonder why there's such disproportionality with the demographics of athletics and the general population. We overcome with the privilege of his power so that others can too. What is it then that we do with the privilege that we have? How do we steward that which, again, we have not earned so that those in our sphere of influence might also get to overcome with the privilege of the same power? Again, that's available to each and every one of us. You can have privilege and do nothing with it. And we know when we do that, what's called the status quo persists. I worked as a high school counselor for a number of years. And at one particular school, there was a a program, I think they still have it, not sure, it's called AP Potential. Um, And AP Potential was this program through the College Board that allowed us to determine who had potential for AP classes. And so it was based all on the PSAT score, which, Lord have mercy, if my potential was... predicated on that, I would not be talking to you. I'll just say that. Come right there in the back uh, balcony. Uh, But that's what the program did. So it took scores and whatever algorithm there was and converted it to these letters that were then generated that would go to students and their families that said, you can succeed in an AP class. No doubt boosting self-esteem and self-efficacy of the group that received it. Well, there were parameters set around that. Parameters that sent the letters out to those who did exceptionally well on the PSAT. And of course, we know now that the PSAT is just one indicator of success and truthfully not the best indicator for certain groups. And so what we did in, 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 as a team acknowledging that we wanted to increase diversity in this space was we realized we had the privilege of power to set the parameters, to widen them so that the the students who weren't getting letters could get them. We could add some factors to the scenario, to the algorithm that said that's not the only factor. So now you, hey, my man in the corner with your head down, cap on, acting up in class just because you can get out of class, you too can be successful in this upper level AP class. The privilege of power was available the whole time. Took us a while, I skipped over that part to realize that. We can adjust this. Sometimes we don't realize that we have the privilege of power. We can't see it. We can't feel it. We're overwhelmed, if you will, by so many other things that there's just no 
The frequency is unclear, if you will, in the radio signal. Moses was one who didn't realize his privilege. God, I can't speak. Listen, just tell him I am that I am. I've called you. Didn't realize the privilege of power God had given him the steward. And that, by side note, parenthetical, should be an encouragement to all of us because we don't always have to feel like it. Moses is in the hall of faith, Hebrews 11. Check it out. There's something about even when you're doing it scared. Some friends used to tell me in negotiation and work, do it scared. Don't wait till you figure it out because you won't. And the stakes are too high. The people in our sphere of influence don't have time for us to wait to figure it out, which we'll never do because we can't figure out God and his power. Too much at stake for those who are waiting for us to bring the word, to speak life so that they too can overcome. Many of us are walking through some things now. And if you're not, you're probably coming out of something or perhaps going into something. That's not as encouraging, but that's real. (laughs) And this is just a simple reminder again today. The encouraging point is that if God be for us, who then can be against us? Take the facts. Take them to the truth. Because it's at the name of capital T, Truth, Jesus, that every knee has got to bow. Every situation that might attempt to weigh you down. It cannot overcome the power that conquered death in the grave that you get to steward. And so as we close, recognizing that we overcome with the privilege, the unearned advantage of his power. And that we do so, so that others can do the same. What is it that we're facing today? What is it that you and your own strength are crumbling under, but that with God's power doesn't stand a chance? What shall we say then to these things? Verse 31 says, what do we say? What do we do? Can I challenge each of us, myself included? What do we say? We speak life. We speak life. And by that, when I say speak life, I'm saying speak Jesus. John 14 says, I am the way, the truth, and the, and the life. So speak Jesus. And by speak Jesus, I mean speak his word. Because John 1 and 1 says, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. What shall we say then to these things? your word, which says, by you, I am more than a conqueror. Your word that will contradict, no doubt, how I'm feeling, perhaps on more days than we like to admit. And yet your word is that which that doesn't return void, Isaiah said. Your word, not mine. This isn't positive thinking or self-talk, all of which in and of it, they are helpful strategies through the counseling realm, and there are different ideas that can definitely support, but there's No self-talk like the word talk. What then shall we say? God, I'll speak your word. I'll confess it. I'll declare every single day. I'll embrace your truth over the facts, which doesn't mean I'm ignoring the facts. I'm just choosing to say, God, you're bigger. It reminds me of, I can't even just say growing up now, because even now we kind of talk to each other and we'll say like, uh, how you doing? I'm blessed and highly favored, which is true. We are blessed and highly favored, so keep saying it. And, and there are times where, for example, maybe you were in an awful car accident. 
Maybe lives were lost. Maybe your vertebrae are cracked and you're blessed and highly favored. Yeah, I, okay. And I can see you're in some physical pain and I can see there's some emotional guilt as to what happened. So perhaps we, as we grow as a community, can both acknowledge the being blessed and highly favored and the things that attempt to overcome us by saying, you know, I'm overcoming. I'm overcoming. Don't have to air all my stuff, but I'm overcoming by the privilege of his power. That's how we overcome. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for your word. Thank you for your power against which no thing nor person can stand. Help us, Lord, to overcome with the privilege of your power, to not rely on our own strength, to not allow our happenings, our feelings, the circumstances that surround each of us on a daily basis to dictate our perspective and outlook, but to allow the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ, that which hung on a cross, was buried and raised again to life and that now lives in us. Help us to overcome by that power. Help us to speak that power, life, Jesus, the word, into situations that look nothing like it, into situations that look like Lazarus, dead for days, <laughs> weeks, rigor mortis, the smell has set in, and yet your word is our compass. Help us to speak your word and overcome by the privilege of your power that you've afforded to us. Thank you. May we be encouraged, refreshed, and with our eyes closed and heads bowed for those who have yet to embrace the privilege of his power. There's never a bad day to make a great decision. If you have never accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and personal Savior, or if you have made a decision for Christ in the past, but know your life looks nothing like what you think that decision should have reflected, and today want to make a change, a meaningful one, just raise your hand. We want to pray with you as all eyes are closed and heads are bowed. Perhaps, though, there's someone live streaming who did raise their hand on the altar of their own heart or maybe sitting here who not ready to raise their hand, God. And I pray this morning that we would soften the heart even further. And for those who may have raised their hands who are live streaming, you can just pray this prayer after me. Lord, thank you for loving me. Thank you for forgiving me. Thank you for giving me the opportunity today to repent to turn away from everything the Bible calls sin and to follow you with my whole heart. Today, I confess with my mouth that Jesus is Lord and I believe in my heart that God raised Jesus from the dead. I commit to following you all the days of my life, which I know doesn't mean a storm-free life, but in you, I know can be a storm-proof one. I also know it'll be an imperfect walk, but God, 
I'll endeavor to perfectly submit to your will for my life. And for those of us who know Jesus Christ, may today be a, a fresh declaration of the power we get to steward here in the earth. And may we overcome afresh those situations that may have today even gotten us down. May we overcome by the privilege of your power. And as we benefit from the unearned advantage that you've provided through your death on the cross, may we overcome in such a way that others can too. Help us to steward the privilege well. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Love you, family. If you.